Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, finally, a definitive answer to what's the most important thing in life. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to, we are going to be talking about the news from the week, including a recap of last week's Pokemon Presents. And then on Thursday, we're coming up with an all-new roster for Super Smash Brothers. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going great. So I have a, um, uh, uh, like, smart home device. I'm loath to say its name because then it'll It'll start. hear us, see, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, and it, making suggestions. <laughs> I know, I know. Let's see if we can punch up that joke. <laughs> but I, uh, uh, it has a screen on it, and I noticed today that it has a um, a feature that I've never used before, okay. where it has like a poll of the day that I guess like all users of this smart home device like could theoretically vote uh-huh, on, uh-huh. and it just got me thinking how much these smart home devices are. Like the Wii. The Wii. Yes. Where like everybody Everybody votes, votes the votes channel. Weather yes. channel. Yup, yup. You know, like uh it it just uh Justice for the Wii, man. Just another way that it was ahead of its time. If the Wii had been uh, always on uh-huh. and voice activated. I was gonna say Nintendo would have they would have been super successful, but they are they already were super successful. Yeah, so like, I guess there's no point really imagining a scenario <laughs> where the Wii was successful. Like that already happened. Yeah, maybe maybe as hypotheticals go. Maybe, maybe we're talking about the Wii U. Maybe the Wii U mm, gamepad was oh, sure. always on. Because wasn't weren't you supposed to be able to like do video calls with it? Yeah, you definitely were supposed to be able to do video calls with it and like use it as a TV remote and so, like all this other stuff. So maybe it's just a way that the Wii. But did the Wii U have a like voting channel or a weather channel? Or These are the questions them? no one will ever ask. <laughs> you own one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but okay. Maybe, maybe this is how the Wii U would have been ahead of its time. Sure. Is if they would if it would have had this stuff like the Wii U gamepad could have always been on somehow when it was docked. Yeah, then, yeah. I mean, it, um, it, did, it did have, like, a little dock that it could sit in and yeah. charge, but, like, the problem with that versus the uh, virtual assistant thing that we're not going to name because we don't want to trigger it um, is that the virtual assistant thing is unassuming in appearance, yeah, right? that's right. The Wii U gamepad, love it as I do, looks like a Fisher-Price toy, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, yeah. And it carries the smudges from the grease on your fingers and the oils in your hands, and I should wash my hands more, I guess. Um, it, like, it, it's, it's, uh, it's embarrassing to have one of those things out. Um, and, I mean, yeah, maybe we were just a, a little bit away from that being, like, normalized to have, like, a screen sitting out on, like, a, a little always-on screen sitting out on your desk. But, like, yeah, it, it, just, didn't, it just didn't work. Yeah, just didn't work. They should have just done it with the Wii, is what I'm saying. How how long? When do you think the last time? How long since the first time you uh, turned on your Wii to the last time you engaged with either the votes or weather channel or news? Like how how long do you think Did you it were have a it had a news channel it had a news channel interesting. Yeah. Uh, I two days. <laughs> wanna, no, I want to say that I used everybody votes. 
Which also, what that was the name of it, wasn't it? Everybody votes. Are they were they hinting at uh, early on the naming convention for everybody one two switch? Yeah, I do. I do think. I do think it's been a long game this whole time. Wow. Somebody on the everybody votes, assuming that's what it's called, because I can't actually <laughs> remember <laughs> in my uh, channel. Uh-huh. Okay, because there was like, all right, there are now there. When we talk there, now, there were yeah. two. Yeah. There was everybody votes, which was like, do you like cabbage? Or right. what kind of cabbage is your favorite? Purple right. cabbage, green cabbage. Do you like a white cat or an orange cat? Yeah, yeah. and that there was that. And then wasn't there another thing where <laughs> it was more about like me's and voting on like voting on me's, picking me's? I feel like there were two separate oh, like okay. there were two separate like there was like polls. Was and, there like, like a pick something me? else? M I I? That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound just, right either. The corners of my mind. Somebody, somebody, help us out here. Uh, and maybe that somebody is just a Google list of the channels available <laughs> on the Wii. Uh, or, or you can uh, support us by going to patreon.com slash Nintendo Cartridge Society, where you can check out all the fun content that we have up there. If you're supporting us at the 8-bit or 16-bit levels, you have access to our monthly episodes of miniseries that we're putting out. We just finished up. Just finished. It feels like it was a long time ago now. Um, NCS Detective Club, where we talked about the great detective shows of television. And we are currently making our way through NCS Goes Broadway. Uh, where we're talking about musical theater. We did an episode on the musical Chicago. We did an episode on the last five years. Uh, and uh, we're going to be putting out a bunch more of these and having a great time talking about music. Yeah, thank you so much to all of our patron supporters. We really appreciate it. And thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, and also, uh, if another thing that you can do, which doesn't cost any money in any form whatsoever, is joining our Discord. Email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com, and we will send you an invitation to the Discord. Well, you can click on it and join it and uh, talk to all of us that are in there about Nintendo stuff uh, and what's going on on the show and kind of just whatever is on your mind. So it's a good group. I am uh, happy to report that, mm-hmm. at least in this case, I'm not losing my mind. There were, in fact, two separate channels. One was called Everybody Votes, and this is where people could, like, vote on their favorite color of rose or whatever. Okay. And then this the- is a proto-Splatfest. Uh, yeah, I suppose in a way it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, just in the same way that they were teasing Everybody right. Want to right. Switch with the Everybody you Votes You can trace channel. everything back to these Wii channels. <laughs> and then the other one was called the Check Me Out channel. Check Me Out. Uh, or Me Contest channel in Europe, Oceania, and Japan. Mm, doesn't, um, doesn't translate, I guess. <laughs> but it was a... Uh, uh, <laughs> it allowed players to share their digital avatars and enter them into popularity contests. Oh. Yeah. I bet. I mean, the the problem with that is that like immediately, like a bunch of Zoidbergs and Peter Griffins get entered, and then like no one else can compete. I'm pretty sure it, there must have been some sort of like, um, like Nintendo so, like curating. There must have been selecting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think. Otherwise, it would have been all Darth Vader's. <laughs> <laughs> Those are like the three big ones that I can remember: is uh, Peter Griffin, Zoidberg, and Darth Vader. <laughs> Uh, all of which are owned by Disney now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, all right, Mark. Let, let's get into what we've been Wait, playing. The we also teasing... It's, yes, uh, yes, Planting right. the seeds uh-huh. for uh, everything that's happening in Nintendo now are these yes. Wii channels. Mm-hmm. But then also planting the seeds yes. for Disney's, like... Uh, 
total takeover. <laughs> Ab- absorption I mean, I guess of, I, like, all pop culture. I, at the time, I guess they were, I, I was going to say all owned by Fox, but I guess Star Wars wasn't owned by Fox so much as it was just distributed by, right. uh, by, by Fox. All right, Mark, <laughs> let's get into what we've been playing this week. First, I want to discuss uh, a long-awaited return of a segment. Oh. Tetris 99 ticket update. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. dun 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 915. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Wow. I feel like this is a watch pot never boil situation because I feel like the last time we had an update, maybe you were in 800 or something, and that feels not that long ago. But suddenly we're like knocking on the door of 999. Yep, it's been long enough. I I, I do think that uh, it warrants uh, repeating what the premise here is: <laughs> is that point. I am aiming for 999 tickets in Tetris 99 because I will get a little icon that displays next to my name saying that I have 999 tickets. And do you know? Does it max out? I have is it no like idea. 99 lives in old Mario games where it's like you can't go past this. Here's the thing. Uh, I don't know that anyone has like tried to do this. Like in 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 any of like the Tetris ninety nine forums that I've like looked at, no one has been like, "Hey, how do you get this? Hey, what? You know, nothing. No one, nothing. Just absolutely. Ooh, this is exciting. It's a it's a. Uh, I may be the first human being alive to get this achievement. Um, who knows? Um, so yeah, I I don't know. Uh, and I also like if I get nine hundred ninety nine tickets and I spend. 15 will i lose the icon or once i like earn it do i always have it i feel like once you earn it you will a- always have it um i guess because because it's not the the achievement isn't have earned 999 tickets it's, it's have, have 999, 999 tickets that would be funny if, if they took it to, away from if me you have to maintain <laughs> like yeah you can neither get any more tickets nor spend any tickets right or you can earn tickets but it's only when you've spend enough to get back to 999 right, 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 right. that you get it. I wonder, do you think, and I know this is an inconceivable thought, yeah. given that Tetris 99 is your game of the generation. My um, game of the year every year since it came out. <laughs> but do you, th- like, is this like a Thanos situation? Like, once you get 999, you'll oh, I can retire. I can retire to, like, a planet and uh, crack a spiky fruit uh-huh. into, like, a pan and fry it up. Um... Yeah, I think so. Well, okay. Actually, that dovetails nicely with what I uh, the, another thing that I've been playing, which is the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I finally upgraded my uh, dive armor to the point where I can uh, all impact damage is nullified, which means I can jump from one of the sky islands uh, down to the ground through a hole and slam on the floor of the depths and take no damage. Yeah, I saw you posted the uh, video of it in the Discord. It's really goofy. Um, uh, and then I was like, okay. And now I think that's it. Oh, you were. You, you were, like, released from it. Yes. Yeah, yeah like, that, that, w- that was the last demon I had to chase there. Um, I, I turned it on for a little bit on Sunday morning, uh, the day after I had, had accomplished this, and was just like, that's kind of it for me. Um, so I, I think I am, I am ending my Tears of the Kingdom journey there. It's interesting, those, like, mental triggers that yeah. we have, because uh, I loved Tears of the Kingdom up to the very last minute that I played it, which was defeating Ganondorf and, like, ending the game, and then I really have not had any desire to go back into it. That's so even interesting, Even though I, like, yeah. loved it so much. You know what I mean? It was like, that yeah. was what I needed to do to finish it, quote-unquote. Yeah. And yours was, like, upgrade this dive armor. Yeah, and, like, I'm sure I could go back in and be like, 
I'll find another goal. Oh, 100%. And a- after yeah. like 20 minutes, you'd be like, all right, I got to do this yeah, and this totally, and then, you know, totally. like uh, consulting things online and stuff. But like at this point, I'm kind of like, no, I think that's the end of it for me. Um, but that, that puts me in a little bit of like a, uh, like a gaming rut or like a little bit of a, like, I don't know what to do, where to apply my energies next. Um, and I'll talk about like how I did uh, try to uh, approach that. But first, uh, why don't you tell how tell us how yeah, you're right, trying to approach it? Yeah, that's right, because last week I was talking mm-hmm. about that same exact problem, and I solved it at least last, last week with a lot of qualifiers um, that I <laughs> yeah, maybe right. sort of almost could pick up Chrono Cross Radical Dreamers Edition. But I actually did, and I started playing it, and I'm about three hours in. Although I think, so I'm three hours in, but I'm playing basically everything on double speed. Yeah. And so probably like have made more progress than three hours in that game would normally be. Um, and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's always a treat for me to play one of these like PlayStation era games that are new to me because even though I didn't own a PlayStation, I have a lot of fond memories of playing some of these games because during the, you know, probably like 15 years ago, during the Xbox 360 era, I borrowed a friend's PS2 and I played a ton ah, there you go. of like these PlayStation games, um, like Final Fantasy IX for the first time, Final Fantasy VIII, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Chrono Cross was one that I did not play, and I'm really enjoying it. I one thing that's really interesting is obviously going into it, I know that it's not a direct sequel to Chrono Trigger, mm-hmm. when, um, but and so I think just kind of like having all of those years of that baggage, you know, behind it. It's not something that I, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not something that I bring into the game. And it's really interesting how it is. I feel like it's such a, it feels very much like a uh, spiritual sequel to Chrono Trigger, which is exactly what it is. Yeah. Like it captures that feeling of like sad nostalgia, but also Mm -hmm. like uh, happiness for simpler times and all like those complicated feelings that Chrono Trigger does, uh, those like emotions that in the music and the presentation chrono trigger like uh 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 kind of like plays those so well and i i feel that same way about chrono cross yeah i mean chrono cross is very much like the the road not taking kind of game right where because like the, the the base conceit of it is that there are like two realities one in which your character doesn't exist uh or died at a young age mm-hmm. um and uh so like just traveling between them and seeing like uh, the, all all of these people that like it's all sliding doors situations, right? Um, and it doesn't do it in like a uh complicated um or like a you know messed up multiverse of madness kind of way. Um, not that that movie was even that messed up. Uh, it was pretty straightforward actually. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think it it does such a nice job with that sort of uh, uh, just like a what 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 could have been, yeah, sort of feeling. And so uh, the part I just finished just like i encountered links for the first time yes um so are you in the viper mansion is that yeah i'm okay. just like at the at tail end of the viper yeah. mansion and did like the big boss fight there and i'm ready to like move on um so in the viper mansion uh oh no i guess i guess it's in the 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 tower later never mind um there uh, that i i was going to inquire about uh performance of of, of the game um, and there, there are, I, I do think Viper Mansion uh, does have some parts where like, um, the backgrounds are too complicated in the fight scenes and so everything kind of slows down. Um, but uh, how is, how is your experience? So far, I haven't noticed any, okay. I have like, Great. I haven't noticed anything bad. 
Um, but I, I got like goosebumps. There's part where Link, Link's is uh, like it's a full motion video, or I guess it's not full motion video. It's just a cutscene. Yeah, yeah. And like Link's is like walking towards you, and it, you know he he's calling you like the assassin of time and the Chrono Trigger. Yeah, I got chills. I was yeah, like, like, ooh, ooh that's the Chrono so, Trigger. That's so good. But ooh, I, I, me, I love this. I mean, the themes that it's playing with are not like at least this this far like super complex, but it's just like. What will you live for? Like, what are you willing to die for? You know, yeah. those are, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. I do have, to, and the music is incredible. Yeah, music's I great. I do have to say that part of the regular battle music, there's just like a maybe 10 or 15 second part of it, a part of the loop that sounds like the soundtrack from uh, a movie that was spoofed in Mystery Science Theater 3000 called <laughs> Manos, The Hands of Fate. Sure, okay. And in, in that, it's like there's this character called Torgo, and anytime that Torgo's on screen, there's uh, this like really grating music, and they make fun of it a lot in that episode. But there's like a 10-second part That's of really the battle funny. theme that t- sounds like the Torgo theme, and it's... Uh, it's really distracting to me every time. It makes me laugh every time it comes up. I will say I think the battle theme in Chrono Cross is among the weaker music in the game, which is a shame because you hear it all the time. Yeah, that's funny. Um, uh, yeah, but like all, all the town music is great. Um, like the overworld map uh-huh. is, music is incredible. Um, I like the elements battle system a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying playing the Radical Dreamers edition because it has some like quality of life stuff like if you don't want to die you can just turn on something that makes true that like uh enemies just miss all of their so if you're like at the end of the battle like i've I've done it once or twice where it's like i was at the end of a battle and i was like oof i did not play i did not play my cards right there right but it's like well who cares i'll just make all the enemies miss you know and i can just get out of here and then heal uh my there are so many seemingly so many playable characters in this game yeah I feel like there's I'm like, like 50 or something yeah it's crazy my current party is uh surge so like the main character lena um who you meet early in the game well all of this is early in the game right and then there's she a, doesn't always join your party though and there's a part with um the so is kid not with you right now uh oh the, she's sick or she, injured no no no. she's no she is not but she like shows up at Vi- in the viper mansion but got she's it. not like in the party yeah got but it but she's there and then um, uh, there's a part before you go to the Viper Mansion where I guess, you know, you have like three different characters yeah. that mm-hmm. you can recruit. And it's your only chance, I think, to recruit uh, those characters. But I went with uh, Guile. So that's that's the path and that I took. What's Guile's deal? He's like a... He's like black magic. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yes, um, yes. So he, uh, and Lena's like white magic, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because yes. like the, the feel... I, I can't... I can't I'm blanking on what it's called, but there's some battle system in here where like depending on what attacks you do you're trying to make the like field of battle all a single color yeah every and then you play yeah. an element and then it makes your elements more powerful it makes that element more powerful yeah, yeah. Okay. so they, they, there are six elements in the game um green yellow red blue black white and they're all associated with um you know the the, uh, the elements that you would think that would be associated with them um and uh, so every move that you do, um, it generates one of those, like a field of that color. Uh, and if you get three of them in a row of the same color, then it becomes this like area effect thing. Um, and you can do like, you'll get 
uh, powers like later on that require the full field to be turned to oh, color. Oh, got it. Um, those are like the <clears throat> the summons. Uh, I like re- require that, and it can be really tough because like the enemy can mess up that uh, just as as easily as like you can uh, start setting it up. So yeah, it, it can be kind of cool to uh, play to uh, like fill the field. Um, I always find it like tough to get it full and then like pull off an attack afterwards. So I tend to not really chase it, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, it, it is complicated to like get it perfect. I do like that the game and I, this may have been in the original version. I do like the game just lets you auto like autofill. Yeah. The autofills nice. elements instead of having to manually, cause everybody has like a certain capacity and they, and every know, time they a level certain up grid. Yeah. So it's like, you know, different colors that they can carry and all that kind of stuff. And it's nice just to be able to autofill it. The last thing I want to say on it that was kind of funny and was a learning curve into getting back into playing one of these PlayStation games with pre-rendered backgrounds is I'm playing with the the like up-res graphics on or like whatever they call it, but the backgrounds are really like watercolory and painterly. Yeah. And so there is no indication that something that you can interact with something. All of it just looks not interactable, but that's not true. (laughs) Like you can come go up to like a pot or a bucket or like a bed or a that none of it looks like it's gonna do anything but you actually can well you have to remember that you were uh, when it was first presented you were playing it on like a tiny crt tv right and like everything was kind of blurry anyway so like it was even harder to be like (laughs) even even like identifying like where the paths and doors are uh can be a nightmare yeah that that part is kind of funny just to be like oh right that's that's just something that you know this game that these sorts of games do uh well i'm glad you're enjoying it and i look forward to the continuing adventures of uh, mark playing chrono cross the radical dreamers edition do you think you're going to dip into the radical dreamers itself have you checked it out i haven't checked it out at all um and i don't i don't i don't have any plans to right now i, feel I like, think that's fine <laughs> i feel like i have to stay yeah. like really focused on like i I'm, won't distract I'm you play chrono cross right. i'm playing chrono cross yeah um so like I said, I've been in like a little bit of a rut, um, and I'm not really sure what to do next, where to direct my gaming energy next. Uh, Sarah's kind of wrapping up her uh, Super Mario 3D World um, like playthrough again, uh, like getting everything. Um, so I help her with that sometimes, uh, and that's fun. I enjoy doing that, but I, you know, it's not really like a uh, that like more than like an hour or something at a yeah. time, you know, um, and probably not even that. So I was like, you know what? I bought all these uh, Star Wars games, all these Aspire Star Wars games. Um, I'm going to start like giving them a try. So I, I uh, tried out both uh, Star Wars Pod Racer and Jedi Knight Jedi Academy um, and uh, had a pretty bad time with both. <laughs> I, I picked up Jedi or Star Wars Pod Racer when it was first released yeah. on Switch in like 2020 or 2019, whenever that was. And uh, I had a really hard time with it, too, because it looks so terrible. Yeah. But it's, it's like up-resed, but it looks like garbage. Oh, yeah. I mean, because it's just, it's, it, it's up-resed, but, like, the resolution on a bad texture is still <laughs> bad, right? Um, and, like... I don't know. I I I feel the sort of sort of the same way about Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. That like, I mean, it's very clear that uh, that game is a PC game, right? Intended to be played with like uh, a mouse and keyboard, um, and all of the menus are still sort of set up that way. Um, uh, but like, you can't even control a cursor with like a thumbstick or anything. Um, 
Uh, and then, like, also just, like, looks bad and then, like, goes into these, like, cut scenes where there's, like, another new Jedi recruit who's, like, talking to you. And, like, here's Luke Skywalker and he's talking to you. Uh, but they all, like, look awful. Um, and I'm just like, this is not any fun for me at all. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I am regretting having pr- uh, picked up those uh, Star Wars games. If anyone can recommend one of these that's actually uh, good in that collection... Uh, maybe the Knights of the uh, Old Republic games, like maybe I'll give one of those a try. Um, but so far they seem pretty bad. Um, I uh, spent a little time in Metroid Fusion um today, which is uh a a great game. I think I probably will end up seeing it all the way through, but it's short. So it is short, yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, I'm I'm kind of just blowing through it. Um. And oh, I tell you, like, just give me a little rewind, and then I don't have to worry about um, the the SAX <laughs> so like good. messing me up. Like, oh yeah. yeah, it's great. Um, uh, and then just because I'm like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to play. I've been playing some Picross, um, which uh, remains uh, incredible. I'm, I'm making my way through Picross S3. I know there are like seven of them on on Switch, and I just have a, a couple. Yeah, I mean, if uh, I, we mentioned it last week or two weeks ago, kind of funny that both of us are just avoiding Pikmin Four. Any, I gotta just go back to Pikmin Four. Yeah, I mean, like I'm in enough of like the rut right now where I'm like I don't want to start something like new and big. I totally know that feeling. Um, yeah. Uh, even though I'm sure if I were to do it, here's the thing: is that I'm also very busy right now, uh, so I really shouldn't be playing any games at all. So anytime I turn the switch on, where I'm like, I want to have fun, but I feel guilty about it. And I don't want to staple that onto Pikmin, mm-hmm. um, w- which is all like a super healthy way to view my free time <laughs> and like the things I do to, uh, you know, uh, relax. But uh, that, that, that's where I am. Uh, all right, Mark, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So we got a couple of surprise releases last week that are worth shouting out. Uh, Quake 2 is on the Switch eShop. It was a surprise dropped at the end of last week during QuakeCon 2023. Uh, the original Quake was ported to Switch in 2021, and Quake 2 comes with the Call of the Machine expansion, plus original mission packs, Quake 2 64, online and local multiplayer, cross-play support, and optional motion aiming. So another one of those like nice ports um, of that they've done of like Doom and Quake. Uh, are you a Quake guy, Mark? No, not a, so. There was some Quake game on PlayStation Three that I maybe it was Quake Three that I played with my friend quite a bit. Didn't have a very you know I feel like Quake is very much a PC franchise, mm-hmm. but so I the PlayStation Three didn't have a great multiplayer community, like not a lot of people playing. But I had a lot of fun playing it when I could make matches. So, um, but like not none of it's really like stuck with me yeah, it's not sure. a franchise i follow that closely uh physical versions of quake 2 are up for pre-order from limited run games they might actually be out i have no idea like they might be sold out but uh there are there are going to be physical editions later what an interesting thing that is now just like uh in the last year become like totally normal of like uh digital's out now physical will come out later i know it does feel like because you know because uh, i remember being shocked with metroid prime Right, yeah, and then they did it with Pikmin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red Dead Redemption mm-hmm. is the same. Now we have Quake Two. It yeah. does feel like more like, and more common. Did just take like Nintendo doing it for other people who are like, oh yeah, sure, we can do that too. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, it does it d- does make a certain amount of sense as digital sales grow more and more, right? Sure. Like you mm-hmm. can just 
Uh, and you can keep releases probably secret easier that way. Absolutely, because, yeah. Because, um, you know, you don't have the promo materials or pre-orders or whatever, like, showing up in um, retailer systems. So, I don't know. It'll be... Yeah. I, I wonder if there's just, like, a, an element of, like, the retail locations have, like, lost the, like, leverage on these companies to be, like, no, you have to, like... Oh, that's interesting. You know, these things have to be available at our stores day and date with digital, otherwise we won't carry them. And now these, comp- you know, companies like uh, Rockstar or, like, Nintendo are like, yeah, sure, don't carry our game, you know? Right, yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah. I bet that's true. Yeah, that like just, now the tables it's like, have turned. Yeah. yeah, where like the video game companies like need those physical releases, or sorry, well, the, not, like the, the, the retail the, com- com- the retailer yeah. companies need those physical releases. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, as digital grows more and more, it's less important to the uh, publishers. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I wonder if they're even like, uh, if Nintendo's like, yeah, we're gonna release this digitally, and, uh, I mean. Do you want it physically? It's going to take us a couple more. And they're like, yes, dear God. You know, like, uh, they don't even really need to do that. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever see the return? And maybe not for that reason. But do you think we'll ever see the return of, like, and maybe. Let me finish my thought. Yeah. Retailer exclusive releases. Because, you know, there was a while that Nintendo, and by a while, I mean way back at the end of the Wii era, where, you know, they would. Uh, they had some releases, like, I think the original release of Xenoblade Chronicles on Wii was, like, a GameStop oh, exclusive. Wow. Um, because it it wasn't, I don't think they had high hopes for it, so they would just be like, uh, yeah, we're gonna just do it at this one retailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder if now it's, like, the opposite, where that would be a driver for retailers to be, like, the exclusive. Do you know what I mean? Where they would, like, yeah. pay for the privilege. Well, and, like, I like for GameStop in particular, they... I don't know if they still do, but there was a little bit where they had a game publishing arm, oh. right? So, like, I wonder, although I think it was mostly digital, but um, e- even still, if uh, you were putting out a game uh, as a GameStop exclusive, maybe it's, like, co-published by oh, uh, them or, or something. Like, there would have to be some sort of financial incentive for the developer or the publisher to make it an exclusive to GameStop. Right. Um, and like, yeah, probably for a while it was just like servicing relationships. Um, like that—that's almost certainly why, um, like a, a, some amiibo were um, retailer exclusive. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, it's it's a nightmare. The 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 running joke was like, ah, yes, and then all of these amiibo will be eBay exclusive, because <laughs> um, like, yeah, like we could go to a Walmart to pick up uh, Rosalina. What does that even mean? Um, because she was an exclusive. Uh, and I think that's right. If anyone wants to check me on it, I would love to. Uh, I would love to be checked uh, if if that little bit of uh, trivia is uh, rattling around in my head accurately. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it seems like what what would be the point now? Yeah, and maybe these like digital releases with delayed physical releases has been happening for a while, but it definitely feels more top of mind. Yeah, in the last few months, and possibly just more mainstreamed, right? Yeah, the, like, bigger titles, and even still, it's not like. Um, it's not like uh, big new games. It's, Very it's, true. It's all like uh, remasters, re-releases, stuff like that. Yeah, which probably speaks to like the audience that is buying these games, right? Where it's like, yeah, most people are probably going to pick it up digitally. And because most people, yeah. I would guess, buy a lot of their games digitally, at least on PlayStation and Xbox. And then it's more the collectors that want right that are going to wait and get it uh, physically. Because this is coming from limited run games, you know, yeah, which already yeah, yeah. is. Uh, it's not like you're going to walk into a Target to pick it up. 
That's true. And the limited run games of it all is also like its own kind of thing. They do a lot of physical releases of uh, games that were digital e- exclusive. Um, but like the uh, the Red Dead metroid pikmin like trifecta there is is very interesting to me of like no that's actually like you know some of the biggest companies in gaming uh being like no no no, we'll just we'll put out the physical version it'll just be like a month or two later also last week uh during the pokemon presents the pokemon trading card game for game boy color nintendo switch online and pokemon stadium 2 for nintendo 64 nintendo switch online were added to the services uh, so, you know, all Nintendo Switch Online subscribers get access to the Game Boy slash Game Boy Color games, and N64 is only for expansion pack subscribers. Uh, that's right. Uh, and so just a, a little bit of context around all of this. Of course, we are referring back to the spreadsheet that yes. is now the uh, uh, master prognosticator of everything. All hail the spreadsheet. All hail the spreadsheet. Uh, this brings the Game Boy library up to a total of 16 games uh, and this also puts us into the Game Boy Wilderness. This is the last game that was teased oh, as part of the reveal in, in the direct in February. Um so yeah, we now like whatever the and they've they have put out a couple games that had not been uh teased before. Um but yeah, we are now like we're there where we are beyond the event horizon. We don't know what comes next. We don't even know the shape of it. Um at 16 games, it makes it one of the smaller libraries. The only one that it's uh, bigger than is the Game Boy Advance library. Um, and also, three of its 16 titles came out within the last month. Wow. Because um, two of them are the uh, Oracle games, the Zelda Oracle games, and now the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, and again, we're just like defying all conventions of like when or how these things are released. This is the first time they've released a Game Boy game and a Nintendo 64 game at the same time. They don't even really like to release games in the expansion pack and in the like vanilla release at the same time but they did here for some weird reason um uh this also brings the nintendo 64 library up to a total of 23 games um and we still have a handful of uh, games that were originally teased that are still coming out uh, i believe off the top of my head it's mario party 3 excite bite 64 and 1080 snowboarding um and then we'll be in that wilderness but you know it has been such a long time since we last got a nintendo 64 game uh like previous to this it was uh I don't know. It was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, was the original Pokemon? Yeah, po- the original Pokemon Stadium. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, April 12th was the last time we got. So four months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, and then finally, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but on Thursday, August 17th, Red Dead Redemption is released digitally and then with a um, physical release to come in October, I think it was. Uh, yep. Uh, so a- anything, uh, from these releases that you're going to be, uh, picking up and or checking out? I'm really, I'm like to... zeroed in He's on zeroed Cross in because I know that if I start to have a wandering eye, I will, uh, leave it behind and I would really like to see it through. So yep. I'm, I'm focused on Chrono Cross right now. All right, Mark, let's close out the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, you and I were talking about pizza toppings, uh, and we are like, what do we do? Do we rank 
pizza toppings. We had pizza together on Saturday night. Uh, I did a little Googling for the 10 most popular pizza toppings. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to quiz you on it. I love You're going to try to, to name them. But I want you to know that uh, all of the Google like search results, and maybe this is more a function of like the internet is broken now, but every single one of them is like a brand or something like trying to push a specific pizza agenda. So I want you to I want you to know okay. whose pizza agenda <laughs> yeah. we we are uh, adhering uh-huh. to now. Uh-huh. Um, are, are you familiar with Hungry Howie's flavored crust pizza? <laughs> I'm not. There's one in Glendale, it turns out, and I guess 500 across the, uh, the United States. But the very first article that popped up, number one, most relevant search result for me was from Hungry Howie's Flavor Wow, pizza. whoever is in charge of their search engine optimization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. Uh, so the most popular pizza toppings, um, uh, and it, you know, they, they, uh, it says, like, to start off with some basics, research shows, shows that 62% of pizza lovers across the United States prefer meat on their pies, while 30 Eight prefer veggies, so we're like they're coming with percentages. No, I don't see anything cited necessarily. Right, like so, where these numbers are coming from. Yeah, I just, okay. I just, I just want you to know that they're at least presenting a veneer of science and statistics, <laughs> which is important for this show. <laughs> um, I just calibrate yourself. Okay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here, right. uh, in, in additional calibrations, is it top ten? Like, what are we looking at here? We are looking at the top ten. Okay, and yes. d- is cheese? Count as a topping. Uh, you'll have to rephrase. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I think the... Like, is cheese a gimme? Or do I need to come up with, like, mozzarella? Okay. Don't name cheeses. Okay. Okay. That, 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 that won't help you. Okay. Um, but don't ignore the concept of cheese. I... Don't know what to do with that information. I have, but we'll work I have, way through. I have succeeded in my goal. <laughs> uh, I, I will just say, uh, he, I, I'll, I'll give these two to you. Number two is extra cheese. Oh. Mm, all right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and number 10 is light cheese. Is no topping at all. What is that? Like they just, what does that mean? Bread and sauce? Bread and sauce? I th- okay. Uh, the, that means 33% of individuals order a plain pie, just cheese, no extras. So now this is a place that is uh, considering plain to be cheese. Okay. Right, this is actually helpful information. Yeah. It makes sense that... The name of the place is Hungry Howie's Flavored Crust Pizza. That makes sense that... Okay. We're spending too much time on laying the groundwork. But all of this makes sense to me. I'm ready to dive in. And I'm going to yeah. say number one most popular is pepperoni. Absolutely. Down. Known question. Slam dunk. Great work. I think uh, mushroom is going to be on here. Mushroom is number three. Okay. I think that uh, uh, Canadian bacon is going to be on here. Ooh, no Canadian bacon. Okay. All un- right. Un- Unforged, no Canadian bacon. Um. Uh, okay. Now I'm really blanking because I'll tell you what I like on my pizza. Yeah. All right. Uh, jalapeno. Okay. Um, Do you want me to acknowledge if any of these yeah, are on yeah, the list? Yeah, uh-huh. No. Jalapeno okay. not on the list. Um, uh, Although, if you were to describe a jalapeno like visually, a pepper, a, a green pepper. There we go. Green pepper. Green is, pepper is on there. Number seven. Oh my goodness! I'm assuming they mean bell pepper. I assume that. It, I assume they mean okay. That as well. uh, onion. Onion is number four. Yes. Whoa. Uh, sausage. Sausage is number five. So onion, sausage, and green pepper. That's like a Chicago staple, right? Okay. Uh, so yeah, you have uh, number six, eight, and nine left to go. Ooh. Uh, I'm gonna say pineapple. Pineapple is number eight. Okay, I'm going to say uh, 
I'm going to say anchovy. So anchovy is not on the list, uh, although they do have an honorable mention section uh, and in which they uh, – and it's I think it's the only uh, – it says, first, well, we'd like to recognize anchovies as America's least favorite pizza topping. Okay. For all you ancho- anchovy lovers out there, we still have your backs. So Hungry Howie's, they're going to flavor your crust and put anchovies on there. number one on, there. on yep. Google. Mm-hmm. Um, you got two left, number six and number nine. Oh, man. I have what two people is like – um, I one one of them I think is uh, totally normal, and the other one I'm a little like what? Okay, uh, oh, oh. Uh, I gotta know. I gotta get, know. We, we gotta know. Um, so number six is black olives. Okay, olives like a, a normal sure, thing. They yeah, could go yeah. on a pizza yeah. with any of the rest of these toppings. Definitely. Um, number nine, and I'll have this on a pizza, but I am a vegetarian. And I like to put a lot of is it ahead. artichoke? No, it's spinach. Oh, I totally okay. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, so we were uh, so uh, thank you again to uh, Hungry Howie's flavored crust pizza, <laughs> uh, and we were accompanied today by pianist Armin Fuchs. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. You did pretty well on that. I gotta say, thank you. Um, I feel like it's a lot of it is just. Think of like what would be on a pizza in a cartoon. Yeah, but not an Ninja Turtles cartoon. Not an Ninja they, Turtles no, they're cartoon. gonna have like peanut butter and rats. <laughs> Although their father is a rat, so maybe they wouldn't put rats on a pizza. Um. Well, let's start off by catching up on last Tuesday's Pokemon Presents. And I gotta say, for like a thirty-five-ish minute presentation, not a lot for, that I've thought was interesting enough to pull out yeah, for well, us to I, talk about. These things are frequently full of, and you know, I keep always tease the three and a half year anniversary of Pokemon Unite or whatever. Um, but they, it was even kind of light on those sorts of things. Yeah, they spent a lot of time on the World Championships, which mm-hmm. made sense because they were going on while the presentation was happening. Um, but uh, specifically the games, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet are getting a new online animated series. Pokemon uh, Paldean Wins debuts on the Pokemon YouTube channel on September 9th. And it'll follow three Academy students, quote, on their journey of growth and learning while attending school. Uh, and remember, uh, Ash out of the picture now. That's right. He's a champion, and we don't deal in Ash anymore. <laughs> but uh, there's He's also, old news, Mark. Is But then, like, the... And I don't know an answer to this. Okay. But the Pokemon animated series different. still exists. I think so, yes. And is following, like, different um, heroes. And are they in... They Are they also in... Uh, the Paldean region? I mean, where you're asking questions there's no way either of us could answer. <laughs> no, it's true. Because we just, I mean, to, to the extent that we, uh, you know, follow Pokemon at all, we definitely don't follow the, the yeah. anime. Yeah. Uh, also, we learned that part one of the hidden treasure of Area Zero DLC for Scarlet and Violet, which is called the Teal Mask, launches September 13th. And part two is still planned for winter 2023. So this is a, a date that we've been waiting for for kind of a while and being like, hey, we're uh, we're getting like late in the year here. One of these DLC packs had better come out soon. Um, and now we know, September 13th. Also, uh, like we talked about at the top of the show, the Pokemon training card game for the Game Boy Color and Pokemon Stadium 2 for Nintendo 64 were added to the Nintendo Switch Online and Nintendo Switch Online plus expansion pack, respectively. Uh, which is all very cool. I, I did see a lot of sort of like chatter around um, like, okay, what, when we're, we're like dipping our toes into like Pokemon games on the Game Boy, when are we going to get like 
the mainline Pokemon games. I just wanted to uh, like temp check that with you. Like, how likely does that sound or feel to you to be added to that library? <laughs> the part that feels unlikely to me is that these games are never playable on the Nintendo Switch. Sure. But how that happens, I don't really know. Yeah. Because it would be weird to me if they release them on Nintendo Switch Online because those probably wouldn't have, like, Pokemon Bank, if that's still what it's called, or if it's something... Well, there there is Bank, but also Home. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, if it wouldn't have, like, that support... So, I don't know. It almost makes me wonder if, like, in the future, there is a, like, Pokemon channel that you subscribe to. Yeah, that sure. Or, like, is part of Expansion Pack or is an additional, yeah, just, pl- like, every Plus Pokemon fee. Pack, yeah. Yeah, that, like, you're paying a little bit extra to have access to these games with those features in place. They could also just sell them, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's with, true. Like, with the, the only uh, additional functionality being that it can talk to Pokemon Home. The only part of that is that's weird is that they used to do that under like virtual console branding. But you're right. There's no reason that they... They haven't done it so far, but there's no reason yeah. that Pokemon couldn't be the thing that like starts them just making some of these classic games available for purchase straight I up. mean, didn't they also kind of do that uh, virtual console branding with, like, the GameCube on uh, the um, Wii U? Whereas, like... I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they were... Because, uh, like, you could buy... Or, like, the you could get Wii games on there as well. Um, buy those digitally um, that weren't available uh, for digital purchase on Wii. So, um yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we're just in like a a, a, a different world now, and I, I think we all uh, understand that like Pokemon Red, Blue, Gold, Silver, um, are like different premium products that shouldn't be lumped in with or don't need to be lumped in with uh, the the rest of these like free ish. Yeah, offerings. Or probably won't be. Yeah, because it is like you know like the Nintendo 3DS eShops, the best selling games were like always oh yeah Pokemon games. if you ever tried to like just look for games you're like i just like interested like let's look at the best-selling games the first three pages are just different language versions of uh, all the pokemon games um which like is insanity um which it just means that they they move units uh so like i don't really know what would be in it like i guess i kind of get what's in it for nintendo uh, to put them up there but what would be in it for the pokemon company right because you could say that oh it's just a like maybe it would get more subscribers to Nintendo Switch Online if they started adding right. Pokemon games to it. But yeah, it just it feels more likely to me that one way or another you'll play a play pay a premium for yeah. them. Yeah. Whether that's like a new service or whether that is um they're just selling them for like six dollars straight up, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, well and th- that's the other thing is that like Game Boy games on, on virtual console used to go for two ninety nine, three ninety nine. Like yeah, who yeah. I'd pay four bucks to have uh, access to uh, Pokemon Red on my Switch, uh, and I probably wouldn't even play it, but I would, I would buy it for sure. Yeah, so that it'll be interesting to see how that uh, kind of plays out. Or maybe, I mean, maybe we're getting so far into the Switch's life that uh, there's just a generation of Nintendo hardware that you're not able to play the classic Pokemon games on. Yeah, well, and like even the definition of what is a classic Pokemon game, like 
now with the 3DS receding into the background, it's not even like uh, the 3DS or DS or Game Boy uh, uh, Game Boy Advance games are are playable in any form on on Switch. You know, we got the uh, uh, like Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu and the uh, Diamond and Pearl uh, remakes, but like I wonder if they're going to keep coming at them sideways or just like actually release them as you know separate things like who knows yeah that's an interesting point especially with the uh the diamond and pearl remakes i know that they those were missing some amount of content but otherwise weren't they set up as basically like faithful recreations of the original games yeah well and i i mean that wasn't that kind of the thing is that like diamond and pearl has a third version right and it's that that content from like the third version that's not on either of the games yeah so yeah, maybe that is the way forward is we just see more and more remakes that are kind of bringing the games to the new hardware rather than repackaging the original games. Yeah, well, and like the Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, like they like looked, you know, like the, the graphical style is, you know, it's it's highly stylized, but like uh, still meant to look like the original Game Boy releases, right? Like, yeah. It, you know, doing the like Link's Awakening thing because we're uh like I'm not really tapped into the Pokemon tap games. in Mark like when but like when they like they come out uh I feel like or they at least sold well I have yeah. no idea I guess what the reception of them was uh I feel like with the newer games I have a better sense of like where things landed with them like how people feel like the temperature on the games. Whereas with like the remakes, I I I don't feel like people really talked about them that much. Maybe that yeah, just means they like point. sold well but didn't stick. Well, and uh, 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 Diamond and Pearl also like came out what two months before uh, Legends uh, oh, Arceus yeah, came out point. too. So like, um, yeah, it, it's a it, it's been a weird like fast release schedule for for Pokemon. Um, and yeah, it's just it's it's. What a weird company, man. I just have a hard time believing we'll never see That's a great point. those uh like classic games available for purchase somehow yes. again. Yeah. But speaking of a hard and fast release schedule, so during the Pokemon World Championships in Japan last week, comicbook.com was able to participate in a group interview with the COO of the Pokemon company, uh Takedo Utsunomiya. And from their article, quote, while the interview was limited to overall questions about the brand as opposed to specifics about the game or anime, comicbook.com did ask whether there was a specific schedule that the Pokemon brand was beholden to when it came to the release of new Pokemon games. And this is what Utsunomiya said, quote, I think in general, if you look at the past, the path we've taken up until now has been this constant release, always regularly releasing products on a fairly fixed kind of a cadence, you might say always having these products able to be introduced and new experiences for our customers, and that's how we've operated up until now. I think we're still operating in that way, but there's, much, there's more and more conversations as the development environments change about how we can continue to do this while making sure that we're ensuring really quality products are also being introduced. Okay, so what's happening there? Is, is that, uh, you know, corporate guy speak translate, you know, through a translator um, that isn't really saying what it sounds like he's saying? Is he actually saying that the Pokemon company is interested in uh, sort of expanding their, or the, their time between like releases or generations? Or because this is something that you and I talked about this weekend is that like the a new generation of Pokemon comes out like every three-ish years, right? Um, and the reason that part of the reason that that happens on that cadence is like the window for which a kid is like dialed into and like so in the pocket for Pokemon is what 
like six to twelve years old, like we'll six say. to twelve years old. Um, and like if you if you can if you're doing them every three years, you can get two generations off in 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 the kids like perfect period for paying attention to and loving Pokemon. Right. You expand that to like four years, five years to an adult. That's nothing. You're like, yeah, do it another year. But that yeah. means you're getting one generation in that window. And I think that that's a big part of why yes. generations happen so frequently. Yeah. Well, and like, just like the excitement of getting a new generation of Pokemon and being like, that old generation, that's my older brother's uh, generation of Pokemon. This one, this one's mine. Yeah. Think how different you are when you're six and 12. Like it's insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and if you were, instead, you're to be like six and it's, let's say it's every four years. So like six and 14. And like, it's, it's just so, it's so, so different. Yeah. Um, so what's happening here, I guess? I'll I, I return mean, to my earlier the, question. The way that I'm reading it, where he's like, uh, you know, about how we can continue to do this, meaning release at a, mm. like, a, like at the cadence we do, while making sure that we're really ensuring really quality products, makes me think that they are not looking to... Uh, yeah, prolong, prolong the time yeah, between, the time releases, between yeah. releases. They're looking at, I, I don't know, what other other measures they can take. I mean, we saw... Like the uh, Diamond and Pearl remakes were not done by Game Freak, yeah, right? True. That mm -hmm. I think was the first time that they had farmed those out, and um, I, I I think they're just running against the realities of HD development for the first time. They've <laughs> yeah. never had to do it before, yeah. And we've seen every company ever struggle with it that transition. The PlayStation Three mm -hmm. and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty era was just the battlefield was littered with companies that really struggled to right. get in the groove of HD. Nintendo really struggled in the transition from the Wii to the Wii U. Yeah, and well, now it's just like Game Freak's turn. And crucially, we're not even talking about going from like SD development to HD development. We're talking about going from developing on the 3DS to HD development. Like, it's skipping a step almost. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it definitely is tougher. But, but... Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, all uh, generosity to the Pokemon company, but also Pokemon is the most, uh, it, the highest revenue generating uh, entertainment brand in the world. Um, so, like, just get two studios, right? <laughs> like, just, you got one game freak, make two. I mean, easier said than done, right? It takes, oh, yeah, absolutely. It takes a long time to scale that stuff up. And who knows if they have in interest, honestly, in doing that, because maybe they're trying to protect the profit margins that come from yeah. that sort of thing. So I I uh I don't know. I, and to me it feels like again not having not not being deep in the community. The sense that I get from, you know, they obviously made sacrifices with Sword and Shield where it didn't have all of the it didn't have the entire Pokédex, right? Mm -hmm. And then the, I feel like the complaint out of Scarlet and Violet is performance. Runs bad. It runs bad, which I think is the genesis of this question, honestly. Yeah, totally. Um but it's really, but I feel like people like the game. It just performs poorly. Yeah. And what yeah. does that mean exactly? Right? Like, right. Well, because, like, who do you, and we've talked about this recently too, but like, who are you selling a Pokemon, a new Pokemon game to? Are you just selling it to the diehard Pokemon fans that will buy 10 million of them in the opening weekend? Or are you trying to reach outside the, the accepted, like, uh, Pokemon circle to uh, uh, other, either other new gamers or other like gamers that exist that don't mess around with Pokemon. Right. And like, if it's either of those two categories, the game running poorly is a huge impediment to that. Right. Right. Cause the hardcore gamers are going to be like the, you know, the, the, all the valid complaints of this looks bad. 
Um, it uh, is glitchy, whatever. And then like any level of inconvenience is going to put off a, a, a genuinely new player. So uh, yeah, it's it's like, I mean, if you can expand it so that like it's selling like uh, Tears of the Kingdom, right? Like that broke outside of Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild broke outside the like the Zelda cap um, to just like sell way, way, way more. Um, and I wonder if they... Uh, yeah, you you would double your expenses by having two teams developing uh, mainline Pokemon games, but you could also possibly double your returns. Yeah, and I think part of the question is like, I don't know that that's true. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah. the games are already selling like they already sell incredibly well. It's copies, true, you right. know. So like, so what is the cap? I guess is the question. Um, I, I maybe they should be more concerned about like losing people. Yeah, because if the games are performing so badly and i just don't know if that's like the true tenor of you know how people are feeling about it but i think they have to be aware of it i also wonder if scarlet not to excuse the poor performance but i wonder if like scarlet and violet if whatever the next generation is will improve because this is the you know the first time that they've tried this like open world thing ran into a bunch of yeah. issues that they weren't able to overcome in the strict timeline that they're given but now they can build off that foundation so i I don't know. It will be interesting to see how they try to solve these problems or if they try to solve these problems in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it, it is a great question where it's like, uh, uh, how will they address it? And is the answer they don't? Yeah. I mean, it took, I mean, honestly, it took Square Enix like an entire generation to get their pipeline yeah. back in order, right? Yeah. yeah. That they were able to regularly release games where all of PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 generation. They just really, really struggled. So it was a long time for them to, like, figure it out. Yeah, I mean, kind of Capcom, too, right? Like, you look at a, a lot of, like, those Japanese companies, like, hit that um, sort of uh, that, that stumbling block. And now both Square Enix and, you know, Square Enix be putting out games. Um, uh, and Capcom also be putting out games. Yeah. Um, uh, and, like, you know, uh, AAA, like, huge games um, that look and play great and are, like, super well-reviewed, like... Um, Capcom's having a banger year as Square Enix put out a new Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy VII Remake Two, whatever its actual name is, coming out early next year. Like, uh, they're they're just cranking on these huge titles, um, and no one's like, hey, Square Enix, Capcom, slow down, um, because they have the capacity for it, and they, like you say, have the pipeline built up. Yeah, so maybe it just will require time for yeah. Game Freak to figure it out. Uh. Speaking of N64 NSO, uh, I wrote that before I put another news piece <laughs> in between those two things. Um, it seems like as part of the update to the app that included Pokemon Stadium 2, some graphical improvements were made to GoldenEye 007. According to Twitter user Grasslu00, texture tiling on the dam section has been fixed. Also, uh, the dark textures on the bunker have been improved. There are, there are, however, apparently lots of graphical issues still ex uh, in the game, like missing fog, which seems to be just like a problem that uh, yeah, in general uh, elements that are like too dark, and supposedly the audio quality got worse in the latest release too. So, so they're still dialing in the Nintendo sixty four emulation. Nintendo sixty four like notoriously tough to emulate, right? Um, uh, and uh, yeah, it it I. I was speculating in the Discord um, last week that, like, maybe this is why they've slowed the uh, release of Nintendo 64 games to the trickle that we've seen so far this year. Um, that they're like, no, it, like, the emulation just isn't in the right place for us to, like, keep pushing this as, like, 
a, a key component of our expansion pass service. Or you know? maybe each game takes a lot more time to that could be you know, too, like yeah. get into an acceptable state. Um, which, but and like even after they uh, are releasing them, and like for Goldeneye, like that's it's a Nintendo game, yeah, I guess, but like it's also uh, you know, a rare game. Um, so like, are they working on those improvements? Is Nintendo who's who's making these improvements? I think it's um a division of Nintendo that's like uh the acronym is Nerd. Okay. And I think they're based in France and they do like most of these emulators. And so I th- I think that they are tasked with um doing these ports. Interesting. Or I guess not ports, these emulations. According to the Japanese newspaper Nikkei, Nintendo is delaying the completion of its new headquarters building in Kyoto to make it bigger. Planned to be built uh next to its current headquarters. The building is I guess like 10,000 meters squared and originally it was going to be 12 stories tall and complete construction in 2027 but Nintendo is considering making it taller which would delay the completion to 2028 or later just because they anticipate needing more space yeah yeah, yeah. well that's interesting that it's it's also part of a like no we need to grow even bigger than what we were originally planning yeah uh Nikkei also reports that Nintendo hired 130 new graduates in the 2023 fiscal year which is up 50% from the previous year. So Nintendo's definitely on a hiring spree. Yeah. yeah and it yeah. has been for quite some time. Uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles marked its 20th anniversary last week. The game originally... Happy anniversary, <laughs> yeah, Final the, Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. <laughs> the game originally released on GameCube back in uh, 2003. Sort of, and Game Boy Advance <laughs> yeah. a little bit. <laughs> uh, a sequel was released for the Wii in 2009, and there was the remastered edition that uh, I think was not received super well in 2020 no wasn't it like sort of broken yeah that's yeah, my okay. memory as well to commemorate the anniversary the square enix website posted a message from series producer akitoshi uh, kawazu and an in- illustration from the series art director toshiyuki itahana the message reads quote it's the 20th anniversary of final fantasy crystal chronicles personally i feel regret for not being able to satisfy <laughs> the fans who have been holding out hope for an all-new uh, ffcc game while there's so much I'd like to do, I just can't find the time to do it all. I know that the characters deserve to shine again, yet I've been unable to provide them with another adventure. They're eager to set out to discover the true meaning of the crystal's blessing, and much like those of us who are cooped up at home for the past few years, they could only gaze up at the skies above their respective towns day after day. But new trials do await them, ones from which they will grow stronger. Please trust that one day a brand new chapter will be added to their adventure. Is this guy dying? What's <laughs> happening here? It does feel pretty um, uh, desperate for like a twenty for a like commemorating an anniversary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it, it's it's uh, less celebratory and more penitent. <laughs> um, finally, Splatoon three finished up their latest Splatfest on Sunday. The question was very exciting. What's most important in life? Mm-hmm. With players choosing between money fame, and love. At halftime, Team Love was barely in the lead. Uh, they had 33.85%, uh, but and Team Money had 33.32, and Team Fame was 32.83, so very close. But in the end, Team Love ultimately came out the winner with 33 points. Fame and Money both earned 12 points, making this a pretty close Splatfest overall, not the blowout that a lot of them have been. Um, but there is a uh, there is one dimension in which it was an absolute blowout. Uh, it's that in, in terms of votes, do you have this number, Mark? Oh no, I don't. Um, so uh, Fame had something like 
ten percent of of votes. Uh, so, um, in 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 terms of that metric, it was like uh, on the insane low side. Oh wow! Um, turns out uh, people just want uh, either love or money, <laughs> uh, not fame. They could do without fame. That's a strong showing for fame, though. If it ended up earning twelve points uh, with such a small mm-hmm. like uh, team base. Um, the uh, interesting thing to note here is that. Um, in Splatoon 2, there was a which do you prefer, love or money? Um, so the this question, or two-thirds of this question, had already been settled. So you have to imagine that a lot of people were going into Splatoon 3 with their allegiances within the world of Splatoon already laid out. That's right. Right? So like, the who's the contingent that's like, fought for money last time? But this time, I'm going for fame. Um, or that's I, right. They've already wrestled with this decision years ago. They don't. That's right. They uh, were already locked in. Look, there are some questions you don't ask, and a lot more questions you don't ask twice. Okay. <laughs> uh, does this seem like an unfair thing for them to do? Is uh, ask, re-ask uh, earlier Splatfest questions and just add a third option? Uh, well, I think if nothing else, it gives people an opportunity to reevaluate the choices they've, they've made in life. And so, uh, for that, Splatoon Three, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Splatoon 3. All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, join our Discord, send us an email, we'll send you an invitation. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. <laughs>